0: so there i was running down the happy bunny trail investigating the eden lemuria connection and loving every minute of it you can read about my latest adventures down the rabbit hole though i turned it into several videos as well you're welcome be sure to enjoy yourself and have a good time well somewhere along the way i was able to track down and crack open a copy of james churchward's the lost continent of Mu*. What I had failed to mention in that report is that Churchward claimed to have gained his knowledge of moves some 50 years earlier while assisting with relief work in an Indian temple. The, <laughs> the initiated all have their stories regarding how their in-the-know was dropped into our lap and this is undoubtedly one of them. FYI, Churchward was pimped out by the Lodge Brothers, playing the part of the town choir, proclaiming their origin story. And one need only read between the wink-winks to know Cain was his boy. It was there in India that he met and befriended an Indian priest who taught him to read an ancient dead language, spoken only by himself and two other priests in the land. During their budding friendship, the priest disclosed the existence of several ancient tablets whom Churchward claimed to have been written by the Naakals. Who were the Naakals? They are described as a priestly brotherhood sent from the motherland to the colonies to teach the sacred religion and sciences. And here's what they wrote down, apparently. Originally, the universe was only a soul or spirit. Everything was without life. Calm, silent, soundless. Void and dark was the immensity of space. Only the supreme spirit, the great self-existing power. The creator, the seven-headed serpent, moved within the abyss of darkness. Um, yeah, twisted. That right there is the creation story according to the Freemasons, via the missionaries of Mu, straight out of Cain's canonical bible, no doubt. The seven-headed serpents I have heard about before, including the abyss which contained him. It's all too familiar tale. How about for you? And just so we're clear, no, the seven-headed serpent is a completely different entity from the serpents in the Garden story. Try not to confuse the two. Had this been an episode of Scooby Doo, I would have undoubtedly lifted the monster mask off our culprit, revealing the Leviathan. That is who is being described here, not his chief captain, Ha-Satan. I'll be sure to take you through those details, and to do so, I'm thinking a repeat visit to Miss Pamela's translation of the Paleo-Hebrew is in order. In the house, the summit, the chief and first former state, as a sign, Son and heir, creator, Allahayam, power that leads by the hand from chaos, chosen power, separate power, cleansed, filled with choice things, behold a sign, the heavens, the place of the names, the space between the waters, and, as a firmly fixed sign, behold, the head of the tail, the place of running, the fractured lands, and behold the place, the firmly fixed land, that first chief place of running, existed, shapeless, laid waste, swept clean, vain, empty, and darkness, Chosek rose up, from the deep waters, the underground prison, moved to the surface, and the Ruach al Hayam as a wall of protection moved tremendously, behold, upon the surface of the waters. Bereshith, Paleo-Hebrew 1, 1-2 How many times I've been over this passage now is anybody's best guess. It's epic beyond description and deserves repeating. A thousand times, if necessary. Oh, I'll do it. The seven-headed serpent which the Naacal tablets accredit creation to is the darkness being spoken of here. In both cases, they derive from the Abyss. The Abyss is an underground prison, though as to its location, the deep waters would be a better description. The story of Bereshith verses 1 and 2 revolves around the Earth's rebuilding project after a cosmic destruction event. Chosek is a darkness which can be felt, a spiritual entity, and for whatever reason, having probably something to do with the Earth's destruction. Alahayam judged that it should be imprisoned there. The opening proclamation derives from the house of Alahayam, His son, the heir of creation, has been declared, and that would be Yahuwaha. Immediately, the creature from the Black Lagoon makes his escape from the Abyss. It takes a violent intervention from the Ruach HaKodesh as a protective mother moving over the face of the water to hold him back. The Ruach Hakodesh, as you probably know by now, is wisdom, or Sophia in Greek, though in Hebrew, her name would be Chokmah. I often state that the Ruach Hakodesh is feminine, and so it should also be of interest to note that Leviathan shares the same pronouns. The serpentine Elohim of Cain and his children was a feminine one, or so it appears. Chokma was getting up in her face to keep Chosek away from her son, as well as her man. Don't mess with Mama Bear. On a side note, Lilith derives from the Hebrew word for night. Lil. It runs in the family, I guess. That's another discussion I want to get to. Well, as I was saying, the Chosek creature in the watery abyss and Leviathan may very well be the same entity, and they appear to be. I have plenty more to say on the matter so let's keep the conversational choo-choo moving down the tracks. Churchward claims that Allah Hayam of Eden was a seven-headed serpent and he was spot on about that because that's precisely how many heads Leviathan had. Supposing you've read my latest book, The Glorious Appearing of Yehusha HaMashiach, then you'll probably recall that the Beast of Revelation was also the Leviathan. At the time it hadn't even crossed my mind that The Leviathan of Revelation is apparently the same entity that we're dealing with as the Elohim of Lemuria, the seven headed serpent from the abyss. So as you can see, there's a lot to get to, and I'm not going to even come close to covering it in this video. And regarding those seven heads, some of you will tell me the Bible never once says Leviathan has seven or even eight heads. Well, this is true, not directly. He does have more than one, though, and see for yourself. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gave as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness Psalm It says heads, plural. Can't say it's a case of the singular now. Therefore, every single illustration that we've ever seen of Leviathan sporting one head is wrong. She had a multitude of them. Why is seven the correct number? I will tell you. There are various examples. Though the Canaanite drama, the Baal Cycle, seems like as good a place as any to start. When you killed Lotan, the fleeing serpents annihilated the twisty serpents, the potent with seven heads. The heavens grew hot, they withered. The Baal Cycle. And then we see again in the same cycle Have you forgotten, Baal, that I can surely transfix you? For all that you smote Leviathan, the slippery serpents, and made an end of the wriggling serpents, the tyrants with seven heads, the heavens will burn up and droop helpless. For I myself will crush you in pieces. I will eat you." The name Loten can be translated as Loten, Liten, or Litanu, though in every instance it means coiled. And as I've just shown, the same coiled entity is Leviathan. In both references, he has seven heads. According to the same source material, Loten Leviathan was a servant of the Sea Elohim Yam, reminding us once again of Poseidon in the Atlantis narrative. Well, Yam was the enemy of the Storm Elohim Hadad Baal, as allegiances go. Their struggle revolved around attaining the rank of king among the pantheon, a theme which has already been revealed in Bereshiath 1-2 with Chosek rising forth from the abyss to challenge Allahayam's heir. And though the Ba'al cycle portrays Yam as the candidate favored by the senior Elohim El, it is ultimately Ba'al who emerges victorious. Ba'al slays Yam as well as the Leviathan, but then Mot, Elohim of Death and the Underworld, kills Ba'al Hadad. In retaliation, the feminine Elohim Anat, in alliance with Asherah, brutally kills Mat, grinding him up and scattering his ashes. Ba'al-Hadad returns but then Mat does as well. Yet another challenge between the two reveals Ba'al with the winning hand. What is particularly of interest to the narrative is that Ba'al-Hadad returns to the mount known as Ba'al-Zephan. Recognize the name? It's found in the Torah, and Yahweh spoken to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Yisrael, that they turn and encamp before Pi chiroth between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal Zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea." Shemoth or Exodus 14:1 through 2. Baal Zephon just so happens to be the mountain that Yahweh commanded Moshe and Yisrael to camp across from, so as to appear trapped and entice Pharaoh to pursue them. In parting the waters, Yahuwaha revealed himself to be the true heir and king of the heavenly pantheon. Though it is true that Hadad Ba'el claimed to have wrestled dominion from the sea Elohim Yam, and perhaps he did, I wasn't there and wouldn't really know. Yahuwaha used a Sea-Ruach, perhaps even the Yam Entity to bring judgment upon Baal. Even more stunning is the fact that Yashiro passed through the water without so much as a leg cramp, whereas Egyptians did not. Commentators have long connected the Red Sea's baptism undertones without going so far as to highlight its potential as an immortalization rite. I'll take a stab at it then. Hear me out on this one. I contrasted Nimrod's worship of fire and the passing of children through the flames, with Yahuwah's saving of Abraham from Nimrod's furnace in my Many Lives of Nimrod paper, which I also turned that into a video, knowing that I'd eventually get around to the subject again, seeing as how Leviathan has been in my to-do stack for a great many years. 2 Chronicles 28.3 is one such reference to the children being passed through the flames. You may recall it happened in the Valley of Hinnom, just outside of Yerushalayim, though the valley goes by another name, Gehenna. They were attempting to immortalize the children and potentially others, if not themselves, thereby sparing the Neophyte from what is destined to come. Total annihilation by fire in the Lake of Fire, which, believe it or not, also has something to do with Leviathan. I'm simply not ready to tell you what it is yet. By handing them over to the fire in this world, The hope is that Baal would save them in the world to come. It's why Abraham surviving the furnace without having his hair singed is so important to the tale. Yahuwaha was pointing out to Nimrod and company the righteous lifestyle which would save their ass. But holiness wasn't something they were after. The other important component of fire worship is knowing how the deluge served as a mile marker between one type of judgment events and the next water and fire, but also that Nimrod was the first to make the elemental swap. Again read my Nimrod paper, as I'm not going over those details again. Supposing you have, then recall what they passed the children through before fire was an option on the table. Can't recall? It's okay. That's why I'm here, to give you those details. And Lamech and Yuval the giant then sacrificed to Leviathan and taught the sons of Cain and Seth how to pass their children through the waters to Leviathan. The book of Lemech of Cain and Leviathan four eighteen. Lamech was the fifth removed from Cain and the father of both Naema and Tubal Cain. Obviously the context has Lamech inhabiting the land of Eden, and what do we see happening? Lamech, in partnership with Uval, a Rephium giant, is teaching the sons of Cain how to pass their children through the waters to Leviathan. They are also attempting to corrupt the sons of Seth with the same practice. There is your Elohim of Lemuria Mu and your immortalization rites. They knew that Deluge was coming. Kind of like how Nimrod later knew the fire judgment event was coming. Did they want to live a set-apart life like Righteous Enoch? No. They put all their cards on the table in hopes that Leviathan, the creature from the watery Abyss, would save them from the impending disaster. With that in mind, Let's give the Ba'al cycle another quick look, as there is something else which I want you to see. Have you forgotten, Ba'al, that I can surely transfix you? For all that you smote Leviathan, the slippery serpent, and made an end of the wriggling serpents, the tyrant with seven heads, the heavens will burn up and droop helpless, for I myself will crush you in pieces. I will eat you. The Ba'al cycle. Baal taking credit for the slaying of Leviathan has already been observed. Wartime propaganda is nothing new. I guess the question that should be asked is if Hasatan is the Angel of Death, which I believe him to be. And so what sort of participation did he have in the final plague of Metruim? See what I mean? Perhaps that's a better discussion for another time. But now you should at least notice the exchange of hands between water and fire. Baal may have escaped the water unscathed. But he won't fare so well when the heavens burn up. I know this isn't scripture, though what sort of religious worldview do you suppose Nimrod and his elk were working off of? Still, I am not through pointing stuff out quite yet. There is one other observation worth noting. The complete irreverence towards Leviathan lends a hand towards the plausibility that the seven-headed serpent was indeed the Elohim of the land of Eden and that he had let them down miserably. It is often commented that Atlantis' destruction is not rehearsed by any of the ancients, aside from Plato. But I'm not so convinced that's true, as the story appears to be unraveling before our very eyes. Apologies, I'm kind of jumping all over the place today. Be sure to <laughs> be sure to take a steady breath because I'm about to do it again. A couple of moments ago, I shared a passage from the Book of Limech of Cain and Leviathan. It's a text reported to derive from Jesuit priest, Father Martin, Uh uh-oh, courtesy of the Vatican vaults, Uh uh-oh again, and somebody named Demon, as in D-E-M-M-O-N, which may or may not be a not-so-clever cryptonym or double entendre for Demon. A very good friend of mine, for sake of argument, we'll just call him Pauli, has attempted to contact either of them without success. Either he is being ghosted or the brain of the operation is wise to his skepticism. And so, at present, Polly is not convinced that Father Martin and Demon even exist. LOL. I quote from passages like that one for the same reason that I share the so-called Na'akal tablets from Masonic loverboy James Churchward. Because they all freakishly connect. Who said dumpster diving was a clean affair? And besides, the story of Lamech is one in which he became Master Mason, but also his story is quite literally one in which the hidden secrets started to become known among the Normies. While Naema was yet a child, great consternation fell upon the seed of Cain. For Irab, the son of Enoch, the son of Cain, had become a member of the secret combination and was privy to all its secrets. Until one night, when Yahuwah appeared to him in a dream, saying, Irad, thou hast done evil instead of good, but hast followed after Satan rather than Elohim. Wherefore, I shall destroy thee and thine house when I send in the floods upon the earth. But Irad was pricked in his heart, and pled with Yahuwah to show mercy and preserve his seed through the great flood. Seeing that his penitence was true, Yahuwah said to him, Irad, if thou wilt repent and reveal the evils of the secret combination to the sons of Seth. I will have mercy upon thee, and I will join thy seed into the seed of Seth, that it may be preserved through the great flood. Wherefore, Irad went forth and began to reveal the secrets of the son of Cain unto the sons of Seth. Lamech, being master Mahon at the time, found Irad sitting in his garden with Yoram, the young son of Irad, and slew him. Thus Lamech slew Irad for the sake of the oath of the secret combination and he slew Irad's son with him. The writings of Abraham 13, 1 through 6. Fact of the matter is, these things have a habit of getting out. All secrets are eventually revealed. As Yahuwaha wills it, in Edenic society, the sons of Seth began to learn the secrets of Cain through his grandson, Irad, who had been a longtime participant in the Wink Wink Club. In turn, Lamech had him killed. Ironic, since it is only Irad's repentance and turning towards the Elohim of Adam and Seth that the lineage of Cain was given passage on the Ark. It actually says he slew him without giving the specifics. Well, if we turn to Yashar, we are given a rather odd clue as to his method. And Lamech was old and advanced in years, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And Tubal-Cain, his son. Was leading him, and it was one day that Lamech went into the field, and Tubal Cain his son was with him. And while they were walking in the field, Cain the son of Adam advanced towards them. For Lamech was very old and could not see much, and Tubal Cain his son was very young. And Tubal Cain told his father to draw his bow, and with the arrows he smote Cain, who was yet far off, and he slew him, for he appeared to them to be an animal. And the arrows entered Cain's body although he was distant from them. And he fell to the ground and died. And Yahuwah requited Cain's evil according to his wickedness, which he had done to his brother Abel, according to the word of Yahuwah which he had spoken. And it came to pass, when Cain had died, that Lamech and Tubal went to the animal which they had slain, and they saw. And behold, Cain their grandfather was fallen dead upon the earth. And Lamech was very much grieved at having done this. And in clapping his hands together, he struck his son and caused his death. Yashar, Chapter 2, 26-28 It says he clapped his hands, causing his son's death. Say what? I'm thinking that was the method by which he was able to strike or slay others, clapping his hands. Don't take your disbelief out on me. I'm just reading this stuff on my own and then playing the part of the messenger. You should also know then that clapping his hands is only the half of it. And Lamech, in his happiness, clapped his hands, and the female Leviathan then did kill Tubal Cain where he stood. The Book of Lamech of Cain and Leviathan, ten four. Leviathan was the one doing the killing. It seems some of the criticism associated with Lamech of Cain and Leviathan has to do with a massive seven-headed serpent creature following Lamech around like Fred Flintstone with Dino. In response to those critics, I say they are not thinking esoteric enough. I'll say it again. The story of Lamech is one in which he became Master Mason. Just because he had attained the discipline necessary to interact with the spiritual realm does not mean others could as well. As Master Mason over the entire land of Eden, Lamech had aligned himself with the seven-headed serpent from the abyss. Not only that, but as I hope to show, Lamek's mastery was one which purported to be over death itself, if only for a time. They knew the Deluge was coming.